it doesn't feel great sitting in like very low degree weather and also having to do Michael Mann movies. I feel like I should be in a cool suit. See, here's the thing is I am in my bedroom, which has the heater on and it's very hot in here all of a sudden. And I feel like I'm going to be slowly sweating throughout the entire thing, which I think is very appropriate for a Michael Mann podcast. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, I'm wearing like a down jacket and everything, by the way. Got a really sweet, just comfortable-ass down jacket. This thing is so nice. Lucky. I want Target to sponsor us. I don't think you're going to be happy with with my half of this Mount Rushmore. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, by the way, I want to pitch some names for it. I think, as everyone knows, or maybe doesn't, the original idea for our podcast was going to be us just doing 11 episodes called Mansplaining, where we just broke down the movies of Michael Mann. I have another one, Mano a Mano. Manhunter. Manhunter is good. Man about town. Explaining <laughs> the man. Man, I hardly knew thee. Um, man goes to Hollywood is the last one I got. Oh, that's good. The man from Hollywood, too. Mm-hmm. Man from Chicago. <laughs> so we're just doing man stuff now, huh? That's where he's from. Nah, I don't want to say that. Yeah, okay. Fuck, I I lost it there. Point being is, this is our all-Michael Mann episode, and we're going to get to the bottom of his Mount Rushmore, and I I have a feeling that, from what Tyler just said, that I'm not going to be happy with his part of the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's just Uh, only take down four times. Son of a bitch, you know that's not one of them. You know I didn't watch it. (laughs) That was a TV movie. Neither is the Jericho Mile. Don't you put it on there. So, I think Jericho Mile just got re-released on Blu-ray. Great, great. Didn't go to theaters. No, but it got re-released on Blu-ray. Hur- hooray. Well, maybe we can do it as like a best thing we saw one week. We'll each watch it. Nah. Yeah, exactly. All right, on the other side of this, Mount Rushmore of Awesomeness Profiles, Michael Mann. This is Mansplaining. <laughs> I can feel it coming <laughs> in the air tonight. Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it from a cool nightclub in Miami to the mean streets of L.A., this is Two White Guys Talking Film. I am, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. And it's episode 40, and that means, guys... We are profiling another filmmaker, doing his Mount Rushmore, watching all of his movies, Tyler's four best, my four best, breaking it down and coming together with a definitive best four for the Mount Rushmore of awesomeness profiling, the one, the only, Mr. Michael Mann. I for sure thought you were going to say from a cool club in Miami to a cool club in Los Angeles. <laughs> I almost went blank. I was like, oh, I should probably do one that he might have, and I do one that I definitely have. I want to start off by asking you tyler when we first got this assignment when we first decided to do this one how seriously were you taking it pretty seriously because like my 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 initial list was kind of a mess because it was just like well i've seen these and i need to revisit this one and you know it was kind of like a lot of just like a hodgepodge of stuff that i've recently seen and then like the closer it came to deadline i was like 
I, my list is uh, looking rough. <laughs> it's just like, how do I make six of these on here? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree with. How do I? Mean. How do I? How do I fold six into this four? I was pretty confident in at least two of mine. Three was hesitant, but I have an idea. And four, I had no concept of. So I will say, and I'll say this: as it went on, I started to weirdly care more about what stuff was going on and such. I'm gonna tell you that, like fifth and sixth seed on mine, I'm just like. Like they could, you know what? I could see them making like an actual Mount Rushmore of his yeah. for sure, because they're oh, yeah. still movies that I really like and really appreciate. And even like the seventh spot, I'm still like, wow, that movie, that movie slaps. This is the first filmmaker I think where we could each have completely divergent lists. I actually fully believe that as well. So this is your guy. I think you should pick actually. Okay. All right, then I am gonna go second. All right. All right. Hooray. <laughs> So two minutes on the clock. We have to start off at your number four. The guy who you, you got on there, he's, he's a fighter. He stayed on. He, he beat out the rest of them. If there's 11 and minus four, that's seven. He beat, he beat back like five other dudes. He beat out one that a lot of people are going to be mad about. And Tyler, starting at number four, your two minutes begin in three, two, one, go. So... Michael Mann made maybe his most bloated movie of all time in 2005 with a $150 million budget, allegedly, only to make back $163 million. And it's a movie about drugs, drug running, and it's the only movie that has ever made me, a person who does not like firing guns, wanting to go out and just shoot a bunch of guns. That is, of course, Miami Vice. It's... Maybe the coolest movie he's ever made. I mean, I know Heat is very cool, and I agree with you. But there's something about the moment where Colin Farrell is in a go-fast boat with Gong Li that I was just like, that seems like the coolest thing anyone has ever done or will ever be or will ever do. And uh, it's also one of his first movies to be shot almost entirely in digital, not, of course, discounting Collateral. But the use of digital in this movie, I would say, is the first time digital cinematography has actually looked like beautiful at some points with like the sun rising, the shooting and like the golden hour, the deep purples that it gets and the weird flattening effect it makes on the world, I think is important because it's maybe the first time people in the industry could see what digital could do. That being said... I understand that this is a movie that maybe not a lot of people like, and I believe it's probably because of the proliferation of man's own cut of the film, the director's cut, which is absolutely terrible, and I'd say don't watch that version. Instead, watch the significantly better theatrical version, which I did this morning, and just geek out on how good this movie is. That will be my time. Oh, you had five seconds left. All right. One minute, 30 seconds. Okay. Begins in three, two, one, go. Al Pacino, Russell Crowe, Christopher Plummer, and Bruce McGill in one of my favorite now, I think, defining tried man type movies. Man against the world, man against large corporations, man trying to do the best thing that he can in a situation. That is, of course, The Insider from 1999. 1999, great year for film, especially American mass market film. This might be one of the forgotten 
uh, best films of that uh, year. It's definitely one of the forgotten like Michael Mann movies coming out right after Heat, in between Heat and Collateral, or in between Heat and Ali, I should say. This movie was kind of left by the wayside. It didn't do very well because it didn't appeal to the younger audience. But this is definitely one of his technically like best and interesting stories, two-hander between Pacino and Russell Crowe. I just kind of love movies about people trying to do the right thing and just stuff getting in their way, as we could tell when I talked about Dark Waters from earlier this year. I think this is maybe the best example of that from this last couple of decades. And for it to be about such a historic landmark thing, I think, is important. So, yeah, that'll be The Insider from 1999. Oh. Getting these under the wire. Yes, yes, you are. Let's see. And your number two, Tyler, for Mm -hmm. Michael Mann's Mount Rushmore of Awesomeness, begins in three, two, one, go. Is it better than Silence of the Lambs? No, but it is equally as interesting an adaptation of a very similar source material. William Peterson as Will Graham is definitely a fascinating take on that character of a burnt-out cop trying to solve a murder case. And Tom Noonan's character uh, portrayal of the villain in this movie is absolutely terrifying, and that is, of course, Manhunter. This is maybe, my, I think, the first movie I ever saw from Michael Mann, and it, it it's kind of been ingrained in my brain as one of the best movies I've ever seen, that uh, best thrillers I've ever seen, I should say. An adaptation, of course, of Red Dragon. I have such a soft spot for Brian Cox's portrayal at, of Hannibal Lecter that I every time I watch this movie, I just absolutely geek out over it. We'll talk about it more probably, but yeah, Manhunter. And your number one in three, two, one, go. James Caan's best performance in a movie is in Michael Mann's very first film, and that is Thief, a movie about a thief and about capitalism and about what it does to us. I don't have much time to say this, but if you haven't seen Thief, I highly, highly recommend that you see Thief. And it just shows you that Michael Mann came out completely ready to make the type of movies that he wanted to make. Also, James Belushi's in it, and he's very good, weirdly. What a twisted web we weave. So, Tyler, once again, from four to one, your guy who just made it on there to your, it won't be going off this list, I can assure you that. Go ahead and read us that. So I have Miami Vice, The Insider, Manhunter, and Thief. Mm. (laughs) Ben seems like he's mulling something over over there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Ben, are you ready? Not, not unlike our great president, I'm just I'm just attempting to bring order to this nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, Ben, you're number four in three, two, one, go. The first film from Man not only showed promise, but also ranks among his best. James Caan gives a driven performance that would be aped in cinema for years to come, along with an incredible supporting cast that provocative little film about a man of extreme focus who is caught between going straight or doing the one thing he is great at man not only astounds with some not astounds with story and filmmaking but also boasts one of the most electric scores of the time teams for the first of two collaborations between himself and tangerine dream 
it is the purest example of what you can do with the right star script and vision for your consideration 1981's thief it's an incredible movie james Kahn is like just unhinged in that movie and it's man really showing us what he can do both with an actor and with the script the guy from Mrs. Doubtfire is absolutely fucking terrifying. James Belushi's amazing. It might be James Belushi's best performance. So, yeah, Thief, that'll be my time. You had a whole minute left. I'm good. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, oh, hmm, hmm, all right. All right. Ben, your third film in three, two, one. Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx are smooth as jazz in the story of a cab driver and the fare that changes his life. Set against the backdrop of L.A. nightlife, this adrenaline rush proves you can ratchet tension to the apex and you almost never need to take the scene out of a cab. If all of this isn't selling you, then get the fuck out of my face, you jive, motherfucker, and take your silly bitch with you. For consideration, 2004's Collateral. This is low-key the greatest Tom Cruise performance, maybe, of all time. This is his Nightcrawler. Jamie Foxx was up for two Oscars that year for this and for Ray. Oh, and also, he won. He pulled a Coppola. He was able to do that. Not many people can say they've done that. This is, like, low-key one of Michael Mann's most well-made movies, too. Mark Ruffalo's insane in this movie. Collateral. That'll be my time. Ben, you're number two in three, two, one. A film about the war before America's revolution, a vanishing people make their way through the new world and collide with the rapidly changing land. Man's grandest film, with a Mount Rushmore performance from Daniel Day-Lewis alone, makes this epic soar. For your consideration, 1992's Last of the Mohicans. This is his grandest, biggest movie. This is his Gangs in New York. This deserves to be on the list. Last of the Mohicans. That'll be my time. And so we're going to talk about your number one, which I I can guess what your number one's going to be. But you got 30 seconds in three, two, one. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro in a Michael Mann film. Don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. For your consideration, 1995's Heat. And then can you list for me once again from four to one, your list. From four to one, 1981's Thief. Number three, 2004's Collateral. Number two, 1992's Last of the Mohicans. And number one, 1995's Heat. Okay, let us start the negotiations. You know, we're sitting here. You and I are like a couple of regular fellas. You do what you do, I do what I gotta do. And now that we've been face to face, if I'm there and I gotta put you away, I won't like it. But I'll tell you, brother, you are going down. So Thief is on both of our lists, right? So we're safe in saying that Thief can stay on the Mount Rushmore. So. I would like it to sit at number three for right now. So I think com- that's a good point. That's a good, com- that's a good point. Comfortably at number three. Okay. So what isn't on both of our lists? I have Manhunter, Ins- The Insider, and Miami Vice. You have Heat, Last of the Higgins, and Collateral. Correct. I think we can agree that Heat needs to be on the list. Just put Heat up at the number one spot. Okay. Uh, just do it. Thank you. You're going um, to get a lot more amenability out of me right now. <laughs> just put it up there. I don't fucking care. All right. So right now we each... Well, I have technically two. You have one. Yeah. Um... Right, pick the next one. Let's put... Yeah, let's keep Thief at number three. And pick something for number four. 
you're probably not gonna let Miami Vice slide in, and I feel like I have a. I have a uh, no, no, battle. actually, actually, you're wrong. I would. Let's how about, let's just talk through some of these, just like a little bit. I just want to hear your your opinion on Miami Vice. But we'll we'll do that when we talk about it. If it goes on, is the thing. I'll, I'll say this: I cracked the code on Miami Vice this time around watching it. I figured it out. Yeah. yeah okay. Would you? This is what I was trying to get at. What did you figure out? It's it's a B movie. It's a it's a B movie done on the most grandest epic scale possible. Exactly. Like nobody stopped him. He fucking took them to the bank and like he used every dollar of it. It looks like. Mm-hmm. And the story looks, behind that yeah. movie is wild. The the production of the Mind Vice is insane. Yeah. You have like Jamie Foxx walking off the set because he's just like they're shooting guns in the street. <laughs> like yeah. I don't want to be here. You have fucking Colin Farrell drunk out of his mind every day. You have them shooting in like every South American location they could possibly find. It's in, it's absolutely the dumbest, most bonkers production. And it, it makes a movie that's like the most excessive version of Michael Mann possible. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think it's the flip side to heat. I think heat is like him, like restraining himself. Man, I don't know. There are moments in heat. No, he gets, he, he lets, he lets the man out of the bag. He like, you like, you know. yeah, but like a lot of it is really restrained. I mean, I think the insiders actually. So, so you have but... you have Thief and Manhunter, and the ins- and, Manhunter. and the insider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, so you wait. Do you you have Thief, Insider, and Miami Vice? You you can put in whichever one. I have Miami Vice, the Insider, and Manhunter. Insider and Manhunter, yeah. <sighs> I love Manhunter. You know that. And Manhunter fell at number two for you, right? Yeah. Okay, it's weird for you because, like, that's you said it's your first one you saw. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where my number two is as well. Last of the Mohicans is the first one I saw. So I love also love Last of the Mohicans. Fuck. So I think if you're willing to put Last of the Mohicans on there, I will put that at number four, and you can have Thief at number three and whatever you want at number two. Man, fuck. Put uh, let's put. Oh God. Okay. This is really hard. Um, just put, okay. Let's put Manhunter at number two. It doesn't have to stay there. Um, we can flip flop it if you want. I actually think Thief should be number two and Manhunter should be third. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah. Wait, you're not doing Miami Vice. I love Miami Vice, but I okay. I, I feel like I feel like I mean I know you're giving me like whatever I want. Yeah. But I kind of actually want the Insider. That's that's the two that I'm I'm fighting. In my head, it's like Manhunter and the Insider. Okay, okay, you you make the decision. Do you want me to do you want me to give you a, like a thirty second clock? Give me ten seconds. And go. I'll stay with Manhunter. All right. All right. All right. You had four seconds. Sorry. All right. So it's Heat, Manhunter, Thief, and Last of the Mohicans. You could you could slot everything down one. And have Manhunter and Last of the Higgins be three and four. Okay, so it's it's Heat, Thief, Manhunter, Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Okay. All right, very good. So I guess we should start talking about them. But you know what? First, we obviously have to have all of our attractions up and running. Yes. For the Mount Rushmore, because, you know, they got to make their way through the park to it. Pull up his filmography, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think that what we should have there. All right, I have the filmography. So the ones that aren't on? Yeah. Okay, so you have the keep. The keep, we have a pictures with the monster, you know, for the kids. And also, like, a little replica of the monster. Yeah, the, you, I think it's, it's, yeah. 
You can buy a glass one. one. I, don't, I don't know what the fuck Not that thing was. That's, it's, that's, it, that's Mayan's weirdest movie. It, it's definitely, yeah. I, it's, uh, someone find a way to get that out on Blu-ray, because I need to see it. In any capacity that isn't a horrible VHS rip. Yeah, I agree. What's up next? We have to go all the way to 1999 to get to the Insider. Uh, you get a, It's a smoke shop. We, we sell smokes. <laughs> all right. Come on. <laughs> Wipe that smoke off your face! <laughs> Is that not the greatest moment from Bruce McGill? My favorite is, I didn't fuck you, you fucked you. Oh, that's so great. Oh, you sent me that picture of him looking through that mailbox. I was like, oh, is that how they shot that? That's fucked mm-hmm. up. Yeah, they shot that on like a pier. And it, it looks like something that took like a whole day to shoot. And in the movie, it's like maybe maybe 14 frames. Yeah, it's pretty quick. <laughs> it's like a like blink and you miss it shot. And I'm just like... So that's why this movie didn't make its budget back. I just love the idea that, like, I love the idea that, like, someone came up to me and he goes, sir, this is costing a lot of, it's the guy from The Sims, he goes, sir, this is costing us a lot of money. He just holds up a copy of Heat to his face. He goes, oh, very well. Mr. Man, Disney's not going to be very happy about you going over budget again. (laughs) Tell him I made Heat. You tell him! Ali. You get to simulate boxing with Muhammad Ali. Oh, Jesus. What? That'd be amazing. Will Smith's gonna play him. Don't worry. You get knocked the fuck out, man. No, no, no. You simulate boxing with him. He shows you how to punch. Oh. And then, oh. You, and then you must fight old Muhammad Ali. That is the test. I think old Muhammad Ali can still kick my ass. Okay, what is, uh, what's next? Collateral. Collateral. I didn't have one written down for this one. You thought oh. I was going to make it on the list. I did. I did. <laughs> oh, it's a cab ride. It's a cab ride, but it just progressively gets more and more hot and uncomfortable in there. And the driver seems to switch between Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. <laughs> we uh, actually, for Collateral, we, we dipped into an alternate universe and we got the one where Adam Sandler was playing the cab driver. <laughs> it's his uncut gems character. <laughs> He's just in the back with you. Did you hear about that? What's that? I think originally Man wanted, I think it was Adam Sandler for the part of Jamie Foxx. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a weird take. It is a weird take. All right, what's next? Oh, Miami Vice. A speedboat ride that ends at a mojito bar. By the way, I heard someone talk about that scene. I'm so glad you brought it up. Apparently, that speedboat's going so fast, like, if you drank mojitos after it, you would be throwing up within minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I was just like, huh, interesting. This is a weird movie. I was whipping. I, I will say this. Colin Farrell is crushing it in that movie. And he was fucking crushing the drinks afterwards. I mean, he was, but like that movie is the Street Fighter, the movie of like action movies. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, like I said, none of this should work, but it kind of weirdly does. When it gets to that last shootout, I'm just like, I'm like, fuck. I don't want that motherfucker coming over here. I mean, dude, it was like it was like it's like the first movie to ever get like being in a video game, right? I don't know. It's just yeah. it's so it's so good. Yeah, it's weirdly it's weirdly effective. He's he's got a real eye for that. I hadn't cracked it until now, but I was sitting there, I was like, oh, this is a bad B movie. Oh, I get it now. I understand this movie completely. That's what makes it great. Yeah, exactly. This is if they said to him like, this is like him making Miami Vice on like a giant budget. It's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. The content hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. It, by the way, look, and I'll say this, I think I said this before, this, the teaser trailer for Miami Vice, which I'm going to send to Tyler and he's going to put in the show notes, one of the best teaser trailers I've ever seen. For a movie. I love that the movie starts with the Jay-Z numb, Jay-Z Lincoln yeah. Park numb. Yeah, oh, and it works. It's and so it good. Works. 
And just like, so just and just like the opening of that trailer has it going by, and you just hear Colin Farrell for the first time. He goes, "You understand the meaning of the word foreboding?" He goes, "Means badness is happening right now." And then it just hits into that song. Also, Jamie Foxx, coolest character he's ever played. Like mm-hmm. he does so much with a nothing part. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's we'll talk about this. Actually, I'll just talk about it afterwards. Let's get to the 2009 movie, Public Enemies. You, you get, get two you and a half to, hours of your life back. <laughs> no, no, you get posed. No, you get to pose. No, I'm not giving them that that portal to that. No, that's mine. I'm getting all their two and a half hours back. No, they get to uh, sit in front of the car that Bonnie and Clyde were shot in front of. And then we show them Bonnie and Clyde because it's a better movie. Yeah, we're going to rehabilitate. Yeah. That's a better movie. And then right in the middle of it, when they walk out of Bonnie and Clyde, we gun them down in a simulated uh, paint killing. <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> Oh, all the people who gun them down are dressed like Michael Mann, so you know what it feels like to have to waste your time that much, too. All right, what's next? Black Hat. It's a, bl- it's a stand that sells black hats and accent lessons. Jesus. The accent is atrocious in that movie. I won't, I won't talk about it. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of... After watching The Insider, I'm like, ah, I kind of want to rewatch the movies that I didn't watch because I'd seen them not that long ago and i was like nah, no i still know what th- i know what that movie's about how much of public enemies did you watch i watched like the first 15 minutes and i was like no <laughs> i'll say this it almost feels like that movie johnny depp has just been trying to turn subtly heel the rest of this time just to get us to hate that character and see how good it is maybe i i i kind of do want to watch the director's cut of black hat if i can find it oh, god enjoy no it's thank a, you it's the director's cut supposed to be much different uh, no, no, not doing it. Have you watched the director's cut of Blackout? I have not seen it, but I don't want to. I'm sorry. Like, no. Why does he need to be working at... Uh, oh, frustrating. It's the ex machina thing all over again. Why does he need to be working out? So, Ben, I don't know if this is going to break your brain even more, but my five, six, seven were Collateral at five, Last of the Mohicans at six, and then Heat at seven. So... How I'm the really fuck happy with is Heat list. at seven? It's all right. Let's start at number four. Number four uh, is Last of the Mohicans. Don't speak here, I'll speak French, Major. Translate for me into French every word as I say it. I come to you unarmed and in peace. To one stop your ears, Sachem. Let the children of the dead Colonel Monroe go free. Take fire out of the English anger over the murder of their helpless ones. Des Anglais, si l'on meurtre de les impuissants s'apaisera. Notre père mon quand même meilleur dans l'art de la guerre que les Yankees. Les Hurons n'ont pas peur de la colère des Anglais. Such am. The French fathers made peace. Magua broke it. It is false that the French will be friends still to the Huron. Tell Hurons notre père français. Très content de ne jamais avoir chaque battre contre. The main Yankees. Maintenant, the Français, au port de Huron. Et ça, c'est bien. Que là, le Huron, reconnaître sa force. Nous marchandrons que le blanc marchand. La prendre terre. Prendre la terre de Abenaki. Et le port de Osage, Sac of Fox. La faire commerce. Don't lie. Avec les autres nations indiennes. Pas moi que les blancs, et aussi fort que les blancs. 
Magua used the ways of Le Francais and the Yengeese. Would you? Yes! Would the Huron make his Algonquin brothers foolish with brandy and steal his lands to sell them for gold to the white man? Would Huron have greed for more land than a man can use? Would Huron fool Senegrin to take in all the furs of all the animals of the forest for beads and strong whiskey? Would the Huron kill every man, woman, and child of their enemy? Those are the ways of the Yengeese and the Francais traders. And their masters in Europe infected with the sickness of greed. Magua's heart is twisted. He would make himself into what twisted him. I'm Nathaniel of the Yengeese. Hawkeye, adopted son of Chingachkuk of the Mohican people. Let the children of the dead Monroe and the Yengeese officer go free. This belt, which is a record of the days of my father's people, speaks for my truth. Last the Mohicans, Until Heat is his grandest movie. I think so, yeah. And it is maybe in conversation for his best shot movie? It's his best looking up to that point, yeah. I mean, that scene where they cross over that bridge, every time I see it, I, I for half a second I have to go, what the fuck am I looking at again? Because it's so just, like, arresting. If we ever do a Daniel Day-Lewis Mount Rushmore, this will be on that list for me. He gets to play an action hero. It's, like, something that shouldn't work, but it does because he's just that good at it. And he's spending the majority of the runtime trying not to be that action hero. Like, when he finally has to, like, actually do it, it has so much weight behind it. But he, they build up the character statistics, so you buy it. <laughs> build up his, H, his, his HP. Yeah. Fucking Magua. Hmm. I mean, Wes Studi as Magua is one of man's greatest characters. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, like... You shouldn't disagree with what Magua's doing. Mm. Like, Magua's simply, like, balancing the books, essentially. Mm -hmm. This is like, I mean, say what you will. I know you're going to be, you might disagree with this. This is a crime movie. Uh... Like, these are the first, like, crime families of America. Like, the Indians were there. We were there. The fucking British and French were there. Like, we didn't have any right to be there, but it's moving in on territory. And Magua is getting, like, retribution because his people got whacked. Like, it's not exactly that. It's an atrocity, obviously. Well, yes, I'm, it I'm, is an atrocity. It is a crime saying, yeah. to the well, English and French people who are being killed. But, you know. It, yes, them. To, everyone who dies, it should not have happened this way. This is based off a book, correct? Yes, yes. it is. But my point is, Magua is, like, legit upsettingly great in this. It is based off a book, but it's based off the first, like, the 1936 adaptation of Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where, that's, because I remember Man talking about seeing the movie when he was a kid and, like, loving it. And that's, like, one of his favorite movies of all time. Yeah. No, it's a great. I think what makes this movie click so well is just, you don't expect Man to be able to make like a period piece because like if you watch his movies up until that point it's like thief and manhunter and like even the keep is kind of like a weird outlier but it's just about people with like chicagoan accents being like workaday workmen punching a clock <laughs> you know like very studious very modern movies and then he's doing like this like classic romantic adventure film that takes place like in the 1700s and so you don't expect it to to be one of his best works but god does he not kill it it's absolutely yeah, incredible yeah he's a really solid filmmaker and 
I think as long as you put an element of action in there, he can work with that. Even if that action isn't anything. Like, you look at The Insider. Nothing really happens in that movie, like, in terms of action, but it's incredibly intense the entire time. Oh, it's super tense, and it just keeps ratcheting it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what else I want to say about it. Any, anyone else you want to shout out? What's her name? Mary, what is it? Mary uh, something? M- Madeline Marie Madeline, Stowe? Madeline Stowe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Madeline Stowe, solid in this movie. Very good. We yeah. all know that she is from 12 Monkeys? Yeah, she is from 12 Monkeys. She's in 12 Monkeys. That's where I know her from. 12 Monkeys, good movie. Oh, she's also in Shortcuts, one of the best 90s movies of all time. Or so we're told. And The Two Jakes, one of the worst 90s movies of all time. So I think we can agree, though, number four, Last Americans, it deserves to be on this list. Definitely. Stamp that as very good. What is the thing up on the mountain? Uh, I think it's got to be Daniel Day-Lewis. I think so. I was going to be like, Maybe it's him holding her while everything's on fire. That's you could do that, and they're doing it. Like you know, they're no, doing it. No, oh, they're doing it. No. They, you're not in those scenes, but they're doing it. You no, know I think actually it. what it should be is it should be uh, the bad guy. Magua, yeah. we don't need to scare the children on the first one. Giving the land back to the natives. I don't know if we can say that. Yeah, you know what? I'll, um, fuck, I don't want it to be Magua. We can do Daniel Day Lewis. I'm just, you know, just spitballing ideas. Daniel Day Lewis doing Magua. How about that? No, 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 no. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, just checking, just checking. I thought maybe you'd be cooler with that. You'd be like, hey, you know what? Representation for both. What do you call it? No, we can do Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So that takes us on to our number three. Number three is the criminally underwatched failure at the box office, Manhunter. That's the same atrocious aftershave you wore in court three years ago. Yeah, I keep getting it for Christmas. Did you get my card? I got it, thank you. And how is Officer Stewart? The one who was first to see my basement. Stewart's fine. Emotional problems, I hear. Do you have any problems, Will? No. No, of course you don't. I'm glad you came. My callers are mostly clinical psychologists from Cornfield University somewhere. Second raters, the lot. Dr. Bloom showed me your article on surgical addiction in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. And? Very interesting. Even to a layman. I want you to help me, Dr. Lecter. Yes. I thought so. It's about Atlanta and Birmingham. Yes. You read about it? In the papers. I don't tear out the articles. I wouldn't want them to think I was dwelling on anything morbid. You want to know how he's choosing them, don't you? I thought you might have some ideas. Why should I tell you? You get to see the file on this case. And there's another reason. Pray tell. But you might be curious to see if you're smarter than the person I'm looking for. Then by implication, you think you're smarter than me since you caught me. No. I know that I'm not smarter than you. Then how did you catch me, Will? You had disadvantages. What disadvantages? You're insane. You are very tan, Will. Your hands are rough. They don't look like cops' hands anymore. And that shaving lotion is something a child would select. It has a ship on the bottle, doesn't it? Don't think you can persuade me with appeals to my intellectual vanity. I don't think I'll persuade you at all. You'll either do it or you won't. 
Besides, we have Dr. Bloom working on it, and he's the best. Do you have the file with you? Yes. Pictures? Yes. Let me have them, and I might consider it. No. Dream much, Will. Goodbye, Dr. Lecter. You haven't threatened to take away my books yet. Let me have the file, and I'll tell you what I think. This is a very shy boy, Will. What were the yards like? Big backyards. Fences, hedges. Why? Because, my dear Will, if this pilgrim imagines he has a relationship with the moon, he might go outside to look at it. Have you ever seen blood on the moonlight, Will? It appears quite black. If one were nude, it would be better to have privacy for this sort of thing. That's interesting. No, it's not. You thought of it before. I considered it. You came here to look at me, to get the old scent back again, didn't you? I want your opinion. I don't have one right now. Well, when you have one, I'd like to hear it. Can I keep this? I haven't decided yet. I'll study them. When you get more files, I'd like to see them too. You can call me when I have to call my lawyer. They bring me a telephone. Would you like to leave me your home phone number? Give me the files, Will, and I'll consider helping you. I love Brian Cox's performance. Uh, I really appreciate what he's doing. This is he's, very he, different. Well, and it is. And you know what? I think I can now start to see your argument about Hannibal Lecter not being that smart with this version. Mm-hmm. He is kind of just flying by the seat of his pants. I mean, he's smart, but I think upon like thinking about Sons of the Lambs, I think Anthony Hopkins' performance is much more a guy who really just misses being a psychologist, which makes more sense to me, I think, yeah. um, than just like a guy who's like pure evil and like also a genius. I think in this movie, he's very smart, but like gross and like smarmy. And Cox I mean, is like really like letting like him be very theatrical and weird about everything. He's a bullshit artist. He is. He is a bullshit artist. He has no idea what he's doing. He's going for moment. I mean, like. It's it's the line from Indiana Jones where they say, how are you going to die? He goes, I don't know. I'm doing this thing minute to minute. Mm-hmm. Like, that's exactly what Brian Cox is doing. It feels very in vain with some of my favorite villains, which are like, you know, Clyde from Bonnie and Clyde and fucking the guy from Badlands, where it's just like, this guy doesn't know what he's like. This guy isn't thinking like seven steps ahead. This guy, you know, it's all about right now. He's literally just jumping to the next rock before you, and he's constantly looking behind him. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he makes that phone call, you're just like, he's just fucking with people. And he's bored. <laughs> he's just bored and just, just trying to think of ways to get under people's skin. Which is why maybe my... Because maybe because I saw this first and like really really connected with it is maybe why I kind of don't appreciate some of the other Hannibal Lecter performances. Because they're so different takes on the character. Whereas I think Hopkins is much more of a like a vampire, like stealing ener- energy from people. Cox is just like... Kind of a bored lunatic. <laughs> oh, he's a, he's a pit bull. Think about the scene where he's like, what is it? Just staring at him sitting. Like when he's just sitting like hunched over. There is like a dog-like quality to his face. Mm-hmm. Brian Cox is a dog face. There, I said it. Mm-hmm. I know, it's true. I think... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Cox is like, you sons of bitches! I think Brian Cox could beat the shit out of old Muhammad Ali. I think Brian Cox could beat the shit out of me right now. 
You son of a bitch. <laughs> You're just... He's he's terrifying on Succession. We never talk about TV, mm. but Succession fucking rules. I haven't seen it, but I will agree with you. So, I think Cox's performance is very good, and I think it actually f- works with this movie more than I think like a a more studious Anthony Hopkins performance. Do you want to know some of the actors who were considered for the role? Yes. So you had John Lithgow, Mandy Patinkin. Hello, man. It's me, Lithgow. Why settle, Graham, when you can select? Mandy Patinkin. Hello, my name is Hannibal Lecter. I would like to eat your face. Hi. Brian Dennehy. You got a Brian Dennehy fucking impression there? Hold on. I I might. Hold on. Who are you? I'm Brian Dennehy. What? No, not fucking Brian Dennehy. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, bye. And, of course, director William Freakin. Was up for the part? It's considered man talk to freaking about it. Boy, that would have been wild. I want to go into that universe. You saved the best one for last. Good job on that. And for the role of Will Graham, Richard Greer, Mel Gibson, and Paul Newman oh. were all considered in past. Hold on. Richard Gear. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he'd have like a rat up his ass the whole movie. Um, all right, God. <laughs> and who's the next one? Mel Gibson. Okay, so Crucifix up his butt the whole movie. Okay. Actually, I wouldn't hate Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson at this time period, I mean, he would bring a real anti-Semitic edge to the performance. It was probably the Jews who yeah. broke into these houses. And he got, they go, whoa, 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 Man's like, hold on, hold on. Director's cut. And then he's just sitting there. He goes, he does one for me, I do one for him. Oh my God, Michael Mann's a monster. What do you call it, though? Yeah, he, okay. And who's the last one? Paul Newman. Paul Newman's an interesting choice. I think originally he wanted to do the character a little bit older. And he kind of does, because what's the guy's name? William Peterson? William Peterson is, like, killing it in this performance. Oh, yeah. It's, like, one of his best performances. You can fuck right off Edward Norton. When I was watching Heat, I was like, oh, wow, this seems to be really inspired by To Live and Die in L.A. And then I'm reading it right now that the reason that William Peterson was cast was because of To Live and Die in L.A., which, very good movie. Uh, I've heard that's it. quite good. Yeah. So I could see Man being like, that's like really keyed into that movie, which I feel like that movie might have been inspired a little bit by Thief. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you're if you're not. I mean, shit, look at Drive. Drive we'll, we'll, we'll get to Thief. Let's talk about the monster. Ah, uh, Noonan. You know, oh my God, he's in Heat as well for like three minutes and he's great. Oh boy, he gets emptied in Heat, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of Buffalo Bill in Heat. Yeah, yeah, you are. That's what I'm thinking of, Briscoe, or Bosco. Yeah, he does. A lot of people get emptied in Heat. A lot of people get emptied in Heat. Tom Newman's great. The first Just... time you see him, with the, by the way, you want to know the, the reason I'm kind of mad this is on the list and it's the only reason? My attraction for this was going to be the Freddie Lowndes Memorial Fire Coaster. <laughs> And it just goes through like rings of fire, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Retroactively, go back. We're gonna put we're gonna put Miami Vice on the spot. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> you don't get to talk about two of them. First time you see him, you're just like, oh crap! Like, this movie has like a couple of like genuine moments of like things that have stuck with me and terrified me throughout the years. And I think the first is like the first time you see him. Is one of them Joan Allen pretending to be blind? There, I said it. Uh, it's not great, but it, Joan Allen in this movie is not great at it. But this... I mean, even Ray Charles knows Tom Noonan's weird looking. And he's legitimately blind. I'm gonna let that one hang. I'm gonna sandbag that one. Yeah? 
Yeah. Go right ahead. We'll let you fall and deal with that one, not me. Great, great. Go ahead. I hold the editing pen. I think Steve Lang's death in this movie as Freddie Lyons is. Isn't like, it weird that Stephen Lang? He's very weird that Stephen Lang. Um, the whole time I'm like, that's not Ike Clanton, is it? That's not the guy from Don't Breathe and Avatar and hopefully Avatar 2, uh, Stephen Lang's character's revenge. Boy, he gets he gets burnt up. He gets burnt up real good. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that guy who sees him coming reacts exactly how I would. Just nah, nope, nope, nope. Not nope. bad come from this. Like <laughs> just like folds up a paper. Yeah, and just kind of like runs awkwardly aside. I'm like, yeah, just get out of its way. Yep. Once it hits something, nope. it won't be your problem anymore. Yep. Nope. Let let whoever whoever's car that touches uh, deal with this. Yeah. This is this is on you. I am on a coffee break. Dennis Farina is so second <coughs> in a long line of man Farina collaborations. He pops up in Thief, and I think he pops up. I mean, he he fucking works on Miami Vice. But yeah, him and Farina, the reason they're friends, they're like they were like best friends, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's because Michael Mann, while studying for Thief, went to a bunch of like Chicago police officers to like know like the lingo and talk to them about like actually like arresting people like this and, and talk to like actual thieves about being a thief and farina was actually like a cop at the time oh um, yeah oh yeah and is, yeah that's right michael mann liked him and his energy so much that he cast him in thief as i think like one of the cops or like one of the one of the thieves in thief. and I, in thief yeah he casts him as one of uh, the bad guys, bad guys. That makes sense. Yeah, um, he's the guy who, like a, yeah, he shoots him down at the end. As a heavy. And then he's in this movie as like a much bigger role, Jack Crawford. And he would then jump to like Crime Story and then, of course, Miami Vice. Yeah. Can I really quick point out yeah. one really quick factoid about Manhunter before we move on? This is my favorite factoid. It's produced by Dino De Laurentiis, who also produced the movie Dune. And had one David Lynch under his contract, uh, still under contract at his production company. So De Laurentiis went to David Lynch and offered him a shot at making Manhunter. And David Lynch rejected it, saying the movie was was too violent and completely degenerate. That's why we didn't get a David Lynch Red Dragon movie. What a weird world that would be. A David Lynch Hannibal Lecter movie. That sounds absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Sunnier days. What would be the Mount Rushmore for Manhunter? I have two. Okay. I have, I have two. Two of them are jokes. I, I have hope, like the real I hope, one. I hope one of the jokes is what I think it is. Uh, so you have Tom Noonan with the pantyhose on his head. Uh huh. And then you have the like corpse with the glasses in, like the the shards of glass in its eyes. Oh, or, I was hoping we both were gonna say Freddie Freddy Lounge on fire. Freddie Lounge on fire. Like, you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> what was gonna be your real one? The real one, I think, is just like, uh, like you can either do Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter, or you could do William Peterson as uh, Will Graham, just like a tired Will Graham. Or you just do Split right down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I kind of like that actually. Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. With Awful. just behind, with just behind them, Freddie Lounge on fire. This is very upsetting. Yeah. Well, that takes us on to the number two, and go ahead and introduce this guy. James Khan is thief. Come on in, Frank. Sit down. Thank you. How you doing? Good, good. You look great. Yeah, couldn't be better. I know this is what you're here for, kid. That's it. Mitch, what's to it? Your tan is great. How long are we in San Diego? 
Hey, a few days, you know. Mitch told me all about the score. Said that you were Dr. Wizard. Yeah. Hello, Frank. Where's the rest? Don't worry about it. What is this? This is the cash part. Well, you're light. 830,000 supposed to be here, and I count what? 70, 80, 90. That's because I put you into the Jacksonville, the Fort Worth, and the Davenport shopping centers with the rest. I take care of my people. You can ask these guys. Papers are at your house. It's set up as a limited partnership. A general partner is a subchapter S corporation. You, you got equity with me in that. Well, count me out. <laughs> I thought we had this good thing. Plus, I got a major score in Palm Beach for you in six weeks. Talking to me or somebody else walking in this room? What's that supposed to mean? It means you are dreaming. This is payday. It is over. You know, you, when, when you have trouble with the cops, you pay them off like everybody else because that's the way things are done. But not you, huh? They don't run me, and you don't run me. I give you houses, I give you a car, your family. I thought you'd come around. What the hell is this? What? Where is gratitude? Where is my end? You can't see day for night. I can see my money is still in your pocket, which is from the yield of my labor. What gratitude? You're making big profits from my work, my risk, my sweat. But that is okay. Because I elected it to make that deal. But now, the deal is over. I want my end, and I am out. Why don't you join the labor union? I am wearing it. Frank, don't. Do it, Slick. My money in 24 hours, or you will wear your ass for a hat. My number four. Yeah, no, it's I legitimately think it's he came. It, it's just like a script he had for a long time. He'd been working on it forever. And he was like, it's it just feels like a big swing and a home run, like right out of the gate. It shows amazing promise, mm-hmm. by the way. James Belushi eats it hard. This is a weird story. Just, like, just follow me with this. I remember as a kid, my mom having to get like something done with her car, so she took it to like a Jiffy Lube type situation. And I remember sitting in the back room, and there was a TV on, and I saw James Belushi getting interviewed, talking about having to wear like squibs and like being blown up and like landing foot of a van. And I was like, what movie is this? That looks so violent. That looks so cool. I was like five years old. I was like, that looks so cool. The guy from Everybody Loves Jim or whatever the fuck that's called. The World According to Jim. Whatever the fuck it's called. Like gets blown away. And what movie is this? And it took until I was literally like 26, 25, 26. And I watched it. And I was like, oh my God. That's that movie. <laughs> that's that movie from that goddamn time I was at that stupid car place. Oh, I've done it, mother. 
Anyway. Mother, the movie was Thief. It was Wait. Thief. It was Thief. I, I love... You there, boy, what day is this? What day, sir? It's Christmas Day. Oh, I haven't missed it. The movie Thief did it all in one night. <laughs> Quick, Run... go buy a goose as big as James Blushy in that movie where he gets blown away. Well, that's a big goose, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's twice the size of Tony Tim. You're just upstairs getting your gun for some reason. It's just like, oh, no. He's gone full mad. No, Thief is amazing. You are right. This might be James Caan's best performance. I mean, just that performance in the coffee shop with Tuesday Weld is... The scene at the end where he's just loading up a suitcase. He goes, I'm giving you $450,000. Like, he goes, you give him $25,000 every month. And, like, he's like, he goes, I'm kicking you out. Like, and then he just goes to work. God, so good. What is there to say about Thief? What was the thing in the bank? Why does he flip out? I, I forget. I, I, oh, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember. Hmm. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Oh, Robert Porosky as Leo. Oh, right. Robert Porosky. Uh, I fucking love Robert Porosky. Willie Nelson in this movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's so weird, weirdly and well casted. Yeah. And everyone in it just is kind of doing exactly what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Robert Prosky as Leo is like genuinely one of the most terrifying villains. It's just like this big old guy who you're like, I'm sure I could outrun him, but I don't think I could outrun the 700 people he employs that could all break my kneecaps at any moment. True. You're not wrong. And the uh, cops that he owns. Yeah, Robert Prosky is a terrifying... I mean, he eats it hard, too. Mm-hmm. Everybody eats it hard in this one. Not James Caan. He's the only one that gets, at, gets away. Wait. And even then... Does he? <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, like his 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 world is shattered. God, I love Thief. I love the way it starts. I just love the music. Ugh, I could, you know well, what? I'm gonna it's, watch. It's because a lot of other movies have ripped it off. Drive ripped it off. This movie's been aped a hundred different ways. You want to hear something shitty? Go right ahead. This film was nominated for a Razzie for worst musical score. That's wrong. It's wrong. It's Razzie. You should be ashamed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just got real. Man, that Tangerine Dreams score. Man, that whips. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, like I said, this movie's been ripped off before, and there are other movies like this, but this is the one that first really, I think, maybe do it right. Mm-hmm. It feels like it sets the groundwork for a lot of movies going forth. Like the aforementioned To Live and Die in L.A., which is a great movie, and feels like it might have gently ripped this movie off, only to be then gently ripped off again by Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. Maybe not ripped off. Maybe they're just like, well, at that time, when, like movies kind of communicate with one another. Anywho, I love Thief. What would be the Mount Rushmore? Oh, you got Con with the glasses on. It is. It is a that poster is amazing. It's an amazing poster. Did you see? Have you seen the Criterion Collection like cover? It's that, isn't it? It's, no, it's different. It's like Con and a like jacket on the street. It's also great. I like the other one a little better, but yeah, I like this. This isn't bad. Well, I guess that takes us on to our number one. Michael Mann's Heat. Seven years in Folsom. In the hole for three. McNeil before that. McNeil is tough as they say. You looking to become a penologist? You looking to go back? You know, I chased down some crews, guys just looking to fuck up, get busted back. That you? You must have worked some dipshit crews. 
I've worked all kinds. You see me doing throat seeker liquor store holdups with a born to lose tattoo on my chest? No, I do not. Right. I am never going back. Then don't take down scores. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me. So you never wanted a regular type life? The fuck is that? Barbecues and ball games? Yeah. This regular type life, that your life? My life? No, my life. No, my life's a disaster zone. I got a stepdaughter so fucked up because her real father's this large type asshole. I got a wife. We're passing each other on the downslope of a marriage, my third. Because I spend all my time chasing guys like you around the block. That's my life. Guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything. You are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. Now, if you're around me and you got to move when I move, how do you expect to keep a, a marriage? Well, that's an interesting point. What are you, a monk? I have a woman. What do you tell her? I tell her I'm a salesman. So then if you spot me coming around that corner, you're just gonna walk out on this woman? Not say goodbye? That's the discipline. That's pretty vacant, though. Yeah, it is what it is. It's that or we both better go do something else, pal. I don't know how to do anything else. Neither do I. I don't much want to either. Neither do I. You know, we're sitting here. You and I are like a couple of regular fellas. You do what you do, I do what I gotta do. And now that we've been face to face, if I'm there and I gotta put you away, I won't like it. But I'll tell you, if it's between you and some poor bastard whose wife you're going to turn into a widow, brother, you are going down. There's a flip side to that coin. What if you do got me boxed in and I got to put you down? Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. We've been face to face, yeah. But I will not hesitate. Not for a second. Maybe that's the way it'll be. Or who knows? Or well, maybe we'll never see each other again. Great ass. And you got your head all the way up it.
ferocious, aren't I? What's so amazing is Michael Mann has two Al Pacino. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who? Who? What are you, a fucking owl? Dude, this is this is in his Mount Rushmore of four best performances. And I'm not saying that it's like number one, but goddamn in heat, dude, he is just like so unhinged. I'll give you that this is in his four best performance like four Mount Rushmore four best performances. But to me, it's it is a great I will say it is a great performance. I don't even know if it's this best performance in a Michael Mann movie. There's something about him in Insider. It's He's just... good in The Insider. I won't deny you that, but I feel like he kept Robert De Niro so buttoned down, and then he just turned to Pacino and he said, just go. Pacino was like, so my character's on cocaine in every scene. Is that what he told him? That's what he said. Hmm. In 2016, Pacino revealed that his character was under the influence of cocaine throughout the whole film. Don't waste my motherfucking time! <laughs> Which makes sense. He's losing it. I mean, this movie is sold with the idea that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino are finally going to do a scene together. Mm-hmm. Which is a wild thing that I don't think you could sell today. Mm-hmm. They're, A, too old. <laughs> I But, B, I don't think there's two actors their age that you could sell a movie like this on. But wait a minute, wait a minute. However... They kind of just did sell us a movie on that, didn't they? Well, they also add Joe Pesci and the fact that it was made by Martin Scorsese. Hmm. And the scene that they share in this is, I think, one of the most iconic scenes in a movie. Oh, it's a great scene. Yeah, and it's, it's like just 10 like... minutes long. And it's, like, so dreamlike, though, too. Yeah, like, did it actually happen? Yeah, it is It is kind of one of those things of, like, ah, could this have happened? Like, is this maybe something that just goes a little too far to the line? So let's talk about Heat. Heat is about a crew... Of robbers, led by Robert De Niro, who has Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, and Danny Trejo as his crew. They also have a guy who they bring on named Wayne Grow. Big mistake. Big uh, mistake. Yeah. Don't go anywhere with Wayne Grow. Don't hire a guy named Wayne Grow. <laughs> had to get it on, man. He was making a move. Did not know that this movie had a serial killer sub- subplot. <laughs> Did you not really? Did not know that. Isn't that great? I was like, whoa, this movie has a lot of a lot of threads going on. I guess man thinks he's not getting another movie after this. So, uh, you do you know the story behind the script of he? It was supposed to be a TV show. It was well, it was originally written in 1979. Mm-hmm. It was a 180 page script that he trimmed and rewrote after he made Thief. Because they kind of share a lot of the same similarities. And he reworked it into a pilot after the success of Miami Vice. Which is not a show he ever, I think, I think he wrote the pilot, but he didn't like, he didn't direct the pilot. But he was executive producer on, I think, both Miami Vice and Crime Story. He then takes LA Takedown, which is what the pilot would be, makes the 90 minute pilot for, I think, NBC. And it gets rejected because it's not very good. And then he takes the full script after making Last of the Mohicans, cashes in his Last of the Mohicans stature on Heat. I think the budget's like $60 million. Yeah. Yeah. And he accomplishes. Yeah. No. It doubles its money. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does a wild amount of money. It heavily credited as maybe the greatest crime movie ever made. Mm, it's up there. Yeah. 
And yeah, this is this is an incredible movie, and it's incredible because of the two people at the center of it: Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. They're both so good in this fucking movie. De Niro, Not especially, I just like De Niro oh, yeah. is so fucking good in this. What What are you reading? Are you so interested in what I'm reading, lady? That the like don't have anything that you can't drop out of your life in thirty seconds if you don't feel the heat coming around the corner. Pacino's the they are good speech. This movie's got a lot of quotable moments, which I think is why it has remained such a top tier man performance or man movie, I guess. What do we got? <laughs> Adios, motherfucker. You were good. I also will say best Val Kilmer performance ever. Ever. I don't like Val Kilmer that much. Hey, We've talked about Val. Yeah, We've talked t- about yeah, Tombstone. You don't like him in Tombstone. I don't like him in Tombstone. Yeah, exactly. Which you're I like him in Mind. Uh, I like him in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He's great. Look up the word idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find. Uh, <laughs> me? No, the definition of the word idiot, which you clearly fucking are. I kind of like his Bruce Wayne. I which is a conversation movie. for a different, I, different yeah, day. No. I don't like his Batman. Oh, his Batman. I like his Bruce they're Wayne. Both, they're both atrocious. Nah, I think he'd make a good Bruce Wayne. His Bruce Wayne, okay, I'll say this: his Bruce Wayne is interesting, but it's muddled by the fact that fucking a, such a terrible movie. <laughs> fucking Joel Schumacher doesn't know what to do with it. True. I also think George Clooney would make a really interesting Bruce Wayne. Not a very interesting Batman. Hmm. Which right. is the problem? We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about different it. movies. Yeah, different movies. All right. Heat. I mean, Heat is incredible. I mean, like the action sequences alone would not only be aped for years to come. I mean, shit, everything Christopher Nolan does in The Dark Knight is a direct ripoff of Heat. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. fucking Grand Theft Auto fucking 5 is a ripoff of Heat. Yeah, it really is. This movie is beloved. It's taken its place amongst pop culture because of several things. Great dialogue. Um, fucking amazing performances. Tom, Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore keeps popping up in movies that I'm watching recently. Like, I'm watching Bringing Out the Dead recently, and he's just popping up. And I'm like, what? Tom Sizemore, what are you doing here? He's, I mean, his moment where he says, Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Man, his 95. Yeah. What a 95. It's Strange Days. He, Devil in a Blue Dress is the other one. That's all killer. (laughs) Devil in a Blue Dress is clearly like the weakest one of those, but like, man, mm-hmm. if Devil in a Blue Dress is your weakest film in a year, that's a fucking great year. Yeah, I would imagine so. I'm gonna have to watch Devil in a Blue Dress. That's the second time we brought this up. And it's the second time I've also been like, man, what a fucking great year. <laughs> it is, it is, because we talked about it during Strange Days. Tom Sizemore seems to associate himself with a lot of directors we like. Ah, bad person, great actor. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's going to be in a Martin Scorsese movie next that we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Bring out the dead. Yeah. We it's might talk out. about it. Yeah, we might talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, I adore Heat. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it deserves to be the number one. It's his most recognizable film, too. And sometimes that needs to be the thing, especially if it is just like had the shelf life that it's had. I mean, I will also say about Heat that it is maybe the most masculine movie ever made. Yeah, it, it might be. It's like um, the most dude movie imaginable. Who eats it the hardest in Heat? Oh, Thomas Hapert. Or Dennis Hapert. Dennis Hapert, who's he? He's the cook who becomes the driver. Oh, yeah. That, he oh, eats it let, let all states stand. I honestly think it's uh, Buffalo Bill. <laughs> His brain gets emptied on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty upsetting. Al Pacino just dropped Tom Sizemore. Sizemore gets off pretty easy. I think Val Kilmer is also pretty fucked up by the end of it. Oh, the way he's walking at the end? Like, he's 
a broken person, both physically and emotionally and oh, yeah. probably mentally. Like, he's done. Isn't it weird that that's the guy who plays Bubba Gump? Val Kilmer? No, no. Val Kilmer did not play Bubba Gump. Who? I'm, talk- I'm talking, talking about, about, isn't the cop who's, like, holding Ashley Judd's hand through it? Oh, um, shit. Is that the guy who plays Bubba Gump? Yeah, that's him. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, no, that's, um, hmm. I mean, everyone in it is really good, like, and by the end of it, you're just satisfied. I'll say this too: if if it was a th- 180, that means that's three hours. They only trim ten minutes out of it because this is like I think like two hours fifty. Yeah. No, you're talking about the the the, the script. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The yeah. length. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what they took out because this movie is so fucking long. Oh, it's so good though. It's. I mean, yeah. Like I'm saying, it's not a bad thing. It's just it's. Natalie it's, Portman's in it for four minutes. She tries to take herself out of it, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Jeremy Piven has one scene. Yeah. It's ugh. Tone Loke uh, is apparently in the movie. Which one's Tone Loke? I think she plays... Tone Loke's a guy, I think. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking of someone else. Who is Tone Loke? I know exactly who this guy is. He's the guy from Ace Ventura. He's the guy who's like, come on, Ace, you can't do this. Like, the black cop in Ace Ventura. But he's um, he's the gangster who goes, like, he goes, I got tied up last night. And Al Pacino's like, did you fall in love? Like, he's like, did you fall in love? Like, he's right. like tell me the truth. Like, he's like, don't waste my motherfucking time. He is the informant. That's right. Yeah. That is right. This guy named Slick. And he's like, he goes, what was that name again? So, I think for the Heat one, I think it has to be just half De Niro, half Pacino's face. Or just a cup of coffee. Ooh, just a giant cup of coffee. Just a giant steaming cup of coffee. And if people can climb up on this one and they can get to that point, we sell coffee up there. <laughs> and we always, every time someone walks over, we go, hey, be careful, there's heat. And then they laugh and they trip and they fall down into the ravine and, you know, it's fun. I will say, Michael Bad, great shootouts. Yeah, he's quite good at those. When they're just screaming reloading and like the other guy just starts going, you're just like, oh yeah, there was some research into this. That apparently that whole like shootout took like fucking months of planning, choreography. It opened third at the box office. Behind what? Behind Jumanji and Toy Story. This opened the same week as Toy Story? Yeah. I just watched Toy Story. It also is the twenty fifth highest grossing film of nineteen ninety five. That's so that means bananas. it opened third and then just like continued grossing really well. Yeah, probably. Made sixty-seven in United States box office. Made one hundred twenty in the foreign box office. That I imagine that's where. Yeah, that that's makes a lot three of sense. times. That's three times the budget. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially minus the budget, two times the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good movie. Good movie. Yeah, it is. Maybe you're not grilling me on it being seventh on my list. No, no, no. You're you're fine. Like if if you if it didn't connect with these, I mean, you watched this for the first time recently, correct? Yeah. No. That, yeah. That, uh, that's probably why. I've, I've, I've been watching this. I, I guarantee you, this will raise on your list over the years if you watch it again. Yeah, I might go back to it. Yeah, it's worth looking into twice. It's the same reason Manhunter was so high on your list. You you loved Manhunter because you've watched it for years. I've watched Heat for years. I've watched mm-hmm. Last of the Mohicans for years. You know what? I kind of want to go back and rewatch Miami Vice because goddamn, that movie's good. <laughs> Fuck, man. Uh-huh. If we did this list like a week later, it might be like Miami Vice at my number one spot because I had watched it four times in a row. That is funny. Just sucking all the juice out of Miami Vice. Like a mojito. Mm-hmm. But you got your tan in Miami. 
<laughs> I was rewatching it. And I was like, oh, right. This movie fucking, this movie slaps so hard. Oh, God. What a, what a wild movie. But we've gotten out of the Michael Mann, Mount Rushmore of awesomeness extravaganza. And next week, that will mean that it is, it is the Oscars. But that means that the next week you guys join us will be on the 15th or the 16th, which is our essentially closest to time to do a show based on Valentine's. And what that means is we will be writing a love letter. Both of us will be writing a love letter to the year 2019 as we talk about our best 10 movies of 2019 and break them down. And yeah, that is it. And that'll be what we do. Tyler and I will count down from 10 to 1 our favorite movies of the year. And yeah, and there's going to be a surprise at the beginning of the show. Yes, there is. Yes. I, I'm worried. <laughs> no, nah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll enjoy it. It's an experiment. We'll okay. That. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Lord. How dare you? But yeah, you can also find us, though, at TWGTF Pod on Twitter. This is our 40th episode, guys. We're pretty proud of this one. I think it's going to come out well. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic. And you can follow us at all those different places. Tyler, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I'm just jumping off waterfalls. Sure. sure it's the last sure. one he can reference. Come on. Get with yeah, me. I, yeah, I know. I know. You stay alive. If they don't kill you, they'll take you north up to your land. Bitch, you're here. You're strong. You survive. You stay alive no matter what occurs. I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far. I will find you. And remember, guys, if you're sitting in the front row, don't forget that if a bunch of guys run in wearing hockey masks, one of them probably wants to get it on, so don't make any sudden movements. A guy gets on the MTA here, LA, and dies. Think anybody will notice?
You know what? Neil is gone. Flying like a bird. Come on, Vincent, how do you know? We still got bait. Maybe some time. Got, got, what do we got? What do we got? Bon voyage, motherfucker. You were good. 